0: This is the Servers Radio Network. Welcome to this edition of a Servers Journey with Rocky DeStefano. The premise of the show is that everyone is leading something or someone, whether you're a parent leading a family, a coach leading a team, a team member leading a few, or a CEO leading an organization. We're all on this path of being a leader. Thus, the title of the program is A Server's Journey.
1: Thanks, Larry. I hope that everyone listening will be able to walk this journey of leadership with us. And I understand today that you have a little bit of a potpourri show for us today, Larry. We,
0: we, I've got to, I threw the balls up in the air and a lot of stuff came down and I said, let's put a show together.
1: It's kind of like a buffet. You know, I, I, I like buffets, so yes. we're okay. So yes. today we have a guest in the studio. Hi, Debbie. I wanted to share one of my stories with you. That's going to be exciting. very transparent. You will judge me, and you will wonder if I'm a snowflake. But (laughs) I'm going to read a story for you. Fantastic. We want to share more about uh, Servers Moments, more about the Servers Radio Network, and we have a question from a listener that we're going to answer.
0: Fantastic. You know, before we go on any further, I think it's kind of apropos that we bring up the fact that chick-fil-a is now the number one are you fast food yeah
1: quick serve we are we are fast casual fast casual yeah and you know we have to say step aside the big macs and the whoppers the people have spoken and they want to eat more chicken larry that is fantastic yeah. is the third year in a row that chick-fil-a has been named america's top fast food restaurant according to the American Customer Satisfaction Index. That's a lengthy title. Did
0: they come in and ask you? or No, they did know? not
1: ask me. I, I'm not worthy of a question, I guess. That is but,
0: fantastic because they must go around the country.
1: Yeah. And you've
0: got fewer units than a lot of these people.
1: Yeah, we do, but I think we're starting to become more of a national and even looking at international. And, you know, the chain received our, the satisfaction score was 87 out of 100, Which was easily beat, uh, or which easily beat Panera Bread, who was in second place at 82, and Papa John's, Pizza Hut, and Subway, who all tied for third at 80. Wow. The weird thing is, I don't like. I don't think. Well, I guess we're going to offend some potential uh, advertisers, but I I don't think Papa John's, Pizza Hut, for service. Hmm. Crazy, you know. Well, well, but, yeah. Hey, what do I know? Okay.
0: Well, uh, I'm amazed that my <clears throat> my McDonald's friends are so low.
1: I know. Yeah, but you know, I think some of that's just uh, it's easy to beat up on the big guy sometimes.
0: Yeah. You know, a long time ago, I used to work with McDonald's. And it seemed like they had
1: some of the same principles that I'm hearing at Chick-fil-A. So, you know, here's, and you've heard from our story, that I also worked at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And I I did feel the training was good. uh, And I felt like they uh, were not that different than Chick-fil-A. I think what hurts them is they refuse to pay Mm. And remember, we talked about how people have to have the minimums at least covered. They don't have to make hundreds of thousands, but they have to have their minimums covered. Yeah. And I think Chick-fil-A and maybe a few of these other places do a better job of that. Hmm. Okay. Anyways, thank you and welcome to Chick-fil-A. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Congratulations to Chick-fil-A. You guys do a good job. Thank you very much. Thank you. You
1: I'll I'll accept that for the entire chain. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) Accepting for yes, Chick-fil-A. Yes, yes. yes. Um, you know, I know several people have said to me that, that you're actually a good writer. No, and, and tell, I re-
1: tell me it again, Larry. Uh, pardon?
0: <laughs> I know some people have told me that you're a good writer and, and that you'd written some stories. I know you'd shared them a couple of years ago, and we, we've recorded them. Okay. And so I know we want to share one of your stories today. So what's it called?
1: Yeah, and this one is probably my favorite. Uh, it's definitely the one that hits me. In fact, when I tried to record it. There was a lot of pausing to compose myself, but this one is called Shaving, and it's about uh, one of my last experiences with my father. I quickly pulled the razor across skin, being careful to shave it close. My mind flickered here and there, as it had been doing recently. It seemed lately it had gotten difficult to settle my mind on one thought, especially when I performed tasks like this, a task I had performed so many times before. As I shaved, my mind jumped around. I was 42, but I was also 7, and I remembered a long-ago day in Cleveland. I stood there next to my father, my plastic Fisher Price shaver, clasped in my hand while I struggled to learn the art of the shave. Nice and slow, Rocco, my dad said, keeping a watchful eye on me. You need to be careful not to cut yourself, but you have to get the face clean like a baby's face, he said as he smiled. The lady's like a clean-shaven man, he said, as he winked at me. There we were, father and son, sharing a shave and a secret. I remember how I soaked it all in. At seven, my father was still my hero, the center of my little universe that I called home. Whatever he said to me was law. Here, let me help you, he said as he took my razor. Long and straight lines, up and down, Rico said to his rapt pupil. There I was, learning to shave from a veritable barbershop ninja, or at least that's what I remember thinking. And then I was 42 again, as I quickly continued to shave. As I shaved, lost in my thoughts, I decided that overall he was a good father, not perfect, but a better one as he aged. I remembered the other lessons he taught me as I lathered and shaved, making sure to get the face clean just as he taught me 35 years before. I was 42 but 10 and I had gotten caught in a lie. It was embarrassing to me and I was upset about losing face in front of my friends. I was caught in a stupid and useless lie. I remember the statement he told me that day as clear as if it was yesterday. The mouth is a beautiful instrument Rocco you just don't know how to play it yet. How stupid, I thought. But now I realized how right he was. I was 42, but 16 and suffering my first hard breakup. It was a long-term relationship. I think it was three months. And it had just gone sour. I didn't know how I would go on. You don't understand, Dad, I screamed. I think she was the one. She's not the one, he said simply. Sometimes you have a really old and soft t-shirt that you love. And then it rips and you miss it. But then you get a new shirt and life is all sunshine again. I remember he said that with a smile, not making light of my predicament, but knowing that I would survive. What the heck does that even mean? I screamed. But my heart mended and I stored another bit of wisdom in my mind to be used later. My dad was like that. His simple truths formed the doctrine of an immigrant philosopher and I was unwillingly becoming a born-again convert to the Gospel of Rico. I used to jokingly call his oratory text the KRV version of the Bible, the King Rico version, but instead of these and thous, the sentences were connected with Italian curse words. His parables were both helpful and hilarious. Like the time he told me a parable of when he saw Jesus in the garden. When I expressed surprise, he said, No shit rock, I swear it. And he fell to see why that made me laugh. To this day, that story still makes me smile. I was 42 and 22 and going into surgery on my knee. It was a relatively simple surgery, but he refused to leave my room. And finally, he was the last one in my room and we were alone. Don't worry, son, he said more to himself than to me. You've got a lot still to do in life and God wouldn't take you yet. I laughed, and I told him it was just a knee operation. By then, the crust of his silly Italian pride had started to be worn down with age, and he was better at showing emotion. I'm proud of you, Rocco, he whispered into the quiet room. I paused, not having a lot of experience with this side of him. A man from who compliments had come haltingly as I grew up. Thanks, Dad, I whispered back. I'm proud of you, too that having been the first time I had ever heard him say that to me. My mind snapped back to the present, and I continued to shave. My shaking hands, making sure not to injure with the blade. I was careful not to cut, but trying to get the face clean like a baby, just like he taught me so long ago. The lady's like a clean-shaven man, I said in the empty hospice room through tears. I shaved long and straight, up and down, with quick and efficient movements. I slowed down as I relished the touch of his face. By then he was struggling with his breathing, and I knew he wouldn't make it much longer. I was 42 and age 7 seemed like an eternity ago. He looked up at me, having difficulty talking, but conveying much with his eyes. Yes, I will take care of mom and the girls. Yes, you were a great dad. You really found your groove the last 20 years of your life. "'Yes, I know you love us.' I screened this dialogue internally, trying to answer the questions I felt were going through his mind. And then I shaved the last stroke. "'All done, Dad,' I said to him, washing his face off with a hot washcloth. Nice and smooth, trying to sound upbeat, as if the shave was for a big day on the town and not perhaps his last day on earth. He clasped my hand and for a moment our eyes met. I tried to be a good father, he struggled to say. I wasn't born here, so I made mistakes. You were a great dad, I choked out. I hope I can be as good as you. I am proud of you. And in that moment, I was 42, but I wished with all my heart that I was 7 or 10 or 16 or 22, any age where the roles could be different again.
0: you know it's great that your dad allowed you to serve him right. at a time like that
1: yeah you know he had served me his entire life in fact i think you know any parent our lives are serving our kids and it was a a joy and it was special to be able to serve him at the very end
0: fantastic well th- thank you for taking time to read that story for us well, i really appreciate welcome. it
1: welcome.
0: um you know it's really exciting because a server's moment is catching on
1: yeah and, you know, again, servers moments there, it could be a variety of people. It could, and we may surprise you actually at some point it may even be listeners, but it's a different voice and it's a quick start on a Tuesday morning. And the idea is really to just give you that injection, that energy as you're uh, driving to work to get ready to serve other people and if you have any ideas for us let us know and and we can contact you and hopefully you can share one of your motivating moments to us that's
0: a fantastic idea we would love to have so more happy voices you thought of that Larry oh, <laughs> duh. well you know i think it's also exciting that you've started this the server's radio network
1: right yes we are excited about that and what we're hoping to do is uh have other podcasts that uh either hit on this topic or come close to it or can add a benefit um, to people in their daily lives joining us here in the studio today is debbie jordan the host of love out of the blue on the servers radio network debbie welcome to studio
2: thank you it's great to be here
1: so debbie i'm going to ask you a couple questions first of all Mm -hmm. where did love out of the blue come from
2: Wow, that's you know. It's a deep question, I know right? Well, it is a deep question, and I've I've um I've actually really tried to narrow it down, uh you know to try to explain that people ask me that, but really where it came from was, um a place, uh, through um you know some some life changing events that I went through, that um took me to a place where I just felt really sad. Wow, and. I was and by nature I'm not a sad person so it, you know it caught my friends off guard to see me this way and I started realizing that um uh I was fighting it all the time and 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 then at a certain point um I started to see um little moments that would show up in my life that made me happier and or began to remind me that the one thing that I felt was Uh, keeping me from feeling happy again or and uh, to get me out of that blue feeling was was love and I started seeing these little hearts show up um, just in very random places and you know I started photographing them Uh, so the love out of the blue idea if you will came from the fact that um, uh, my son said to me You know, you should do something with this. You should, you know, put it somewhere so that you can see it. I think other people, you know, would uh, uh, enjoy seeing that too. So that's how it began. Yeah, and I think it's safe
1: to say that if if you were dealing with this, Mm -hmm. you're probably not alone. I'm sure there's plenty of people that find themselves in those spots. Yes. Yes. Life can be; uh, it can beat you down a little bit, for and sure. It
2: can have its challenges <laughs> from right. time to time, and the funny thing is, is that it doesn't matter what the challenge yeah. is. The actual feeling that comes out of it seems to be similar. Yeah. And watching other people um, sense that time for me go through that, and then seeing that moment when they come out of it for the first time, or they start to smile again, or, uh, you know, and realize that, you know, uh, life is oh, okay, and yeah. love is still very real. And those moments show up.
1: Well, and I think, you know, you're, you're helping people because you have to, it's almost like an exercise, you have to remind mm-hmm. yourself that there is happiness, even in the midst of Things you're going through. Yes. So I have to ask, where do you find the pictures and the comments that you put (laughs) on social media? Because I've been following you on Instagram, and I I love your stuff. But talk to us. How do you find these?
2: Uh, You know, I, I... I don't necessarily look for them. It seems to be that um, you know, with the uh, advantage of carrying around a a cell phone now with a camera, um, it just through my day to day life now. I wherever I am, whatever it is that I'm doing, I when I recognize that moment where all of a sudden I see that I'm, I feel different. I'm, I'm real happy in that moment, or I see something that grabs my attention and I go, ah, there it is. There it is today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, you know, pull out the camera, take the picture. Um, now the, what I, um, put the comments on or how I label them, that's another process because that sort of comes through the photo, you know, as I I sit and look at the photo and, um, Uh, you know remember what that felt like the words begin to come and you know and I also also hope that whatever I've heard during that day or if I happen to speak to someone who maybe was going through a tough time sometimes those things connect as well that's kind of nice you know to be able to serve that way
1: okay so now this is and I have trouble with Mm -hmm. this too Can you? What is your show about? Because do you know, or is it? It definitely evolves and changes as we evolve and change.
2: Well, you know, the core of it, the core of it is is sharing that one situation of my life. The, you know, not necessarily the details of what happened, but just the understanding that that the common thread that runs through us is that there are challenges that go on. There are times when it feels like love is not anywhere around, and it feel it can feel very lonely. And I found that when uh, by sharing uh, how those moments show up for me, that other people started saying you know what? I just saw this yeah. Or I and needed this I needed this today yeah. or I, you know, this showed up and then they began sending them to me and going, look what happened. And yeah. I realized that the connection between us was the sharing of the story that right. you're not alone. And,
1: and I think it's you know, important because yeah. you find yourself, you, you know, in one of those moments mm-hmm. and it's great to have whatever it is, a picture or a phrase that kind of helps you realize mm-hmm. it's, it's bad or rough right now, but that's right. There's still a lot to be That's thankful right. For.
2: And what's really interesting too is that they don't necess- those moments don't show up um uh, you know when you expect them often or even how you expect them. Right. You know, you might be looking for somebody to come to rescue you out of right. a situation yeah. and instead you you know you're standing outside all by yourself and here comes a big fluffy white cloud that looks like a heart and you go Oh, yeah. thanks, thanks. I needed that today for that moment.
1: I was I was yeah. driving home last night. My mother fell and had to actually she broke her back and she oh had to have pretty rough surgery. And yeah. you know, she's not as young as you know. I mean, she's definitely getting up there. Yeah. But as I was driving home last night, and I was kind of focusing on all the negative or all the concerns, right? This amazing sunset, <laughs> and I literally snapped a picture. Mm-hmm. because I wanted to remind myself that hey there is good things still that's right you know?
2: that's right there is hope there's so, hope and there so is
1: when love. is your show on Talk.
2: okay um yeah very I'm um, every tuesday okay. um i you know the sh- the podcast comes on uh, I also have been uh, trying to attach some of the podcasts onto the individual photos was something that i've been speaking to and you know which you know gives people an opportunity to listen to it at their leisure (laughs) which is nice it's not a specific you know um but every tuesday we try to you know add another one onto the network and that's awesome well we we appreciate
1: it and we love the positivity we need that in today's life
2: (laughs) thank you so much
1: Epic, epic moments in leadership
0: you know, it's epic moments in leadership time. Today we have a good story yeah, to tell. And, and we like that. I okay. like telling good stories, yes. Yeah,
1: and so I'm going to struggle through this name, but we're going to do a good job with it. And it, regardless of whether it's right or wrong, it's going to be right for our show. So um, we're going to talk about Sir Stelios Hagelonis.
0: Now, that name is kind of like me saying Stestefano.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it's a tough one to get, but... You know, he was in the right place at the right time, and he set up a company called EasyJet in 1995. Mm. And honestly, there's no, really no other airline in the history of modern passenger aviation that has had a bigger effect, especially in the UK, around flights, holiday, and the travel industry.
0: Wow, how did it start?
1: So, the, of course, they started small, but they grew and grew and grew, and they're still growing even to this day. Wait, was that with 1996
0: is yeah. when they really started?
1: Yeah, and really few could have, could have predicted um, how far that they would go back in 1996. You know, they leased their first aircraft that year. And against all odds, they continued to grow. And then two years later in 1998, something happened that would completely change the business. What was that? So EasyJet.com started using the internet on their website, and they began to take bookings online. Online
0: bookings. Who would have thought?
1: Yeah, and it seems like 1998 isn't that... Well, to me, it seems like it's not very long ago, but... (laughs) The, you know, they the, were really the first ones to do bookings online. That
0: is incredible. Yeah. Now isn't it true that Chick-fil-A is doing bookings
1: online now? Right. We've talked about Chick-fil-A because I guess we're late to the late to the, you know, court here at 2018, but yeah, we are doing our own one app where you can do online ordering and it's uh, increasing and growing at a rapid pace. Wow. But everybody has a lot to add uh, to thank easyjet.com right. for. Right. And here's the deal. They're now among the top 10 e-commerce retailers in the UK. They're number one on Google if you search for travel in the UK. And they have over 1.3 million bookings made each month on their website. Each month? Yeah. And that generates 10,000, sorry, 10 million pounds per day in revenue, which is equal to about 12 million U.S. dollars. Wow. So um, that's a pretty Incredible. They've got about 12,000 visitors on their website at any given time.
0: So it's good to be at the right place at the right time.
1: Yeah, and it's good to have some intelligent thought of what the future could look like.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what we're doing here at a server's journey. We're trying to think ahead. Well, yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone leads. So what kind of a leader are you going to be? Are you going to be a thinker or a doer? <music> Well, you know, before we go on to the next segment, we have a segment called this one or that one. And in this segment, you know, you ask people who their favorite person is and you ask why, you know, what's that? Well, a listener raised a very good question. And here it is. This came to me. The question is, just listen to Servers Journey the podcast. You might have listened to Mark Miller. Or Tom Rossi yeah and the in the question session Mark chose Steve Jobs because of his simplicity and Tom chose Bill Gates because he figured out his job was not his legacy well Rocky said everyone's picked Bill Gates he missed if that's right or wrong I can't remember who picks what but okay what he's really worried about the question
1: is if you're serving are you self-serving is that your legacy yeah, yeah. this is a tough question. So first of all, for the first part about um, my saying that everyone picked Bill Gates, I'm going to let you in on a secret that only Misty the studio dog knows. <laughs> but we record these sometimes a little bit out of order. Mm-hmm. and So up to that point, everybody had chosen Bill Gates. Uh, but then we had Mark Miller, who made me look like a liar and <laughs> picked Steve Jobs. Um, but on to the second question... Um, I, you know, the issue of being is serving self-serving, and you know that's a great question. In fact, it stumped me a little bit, so I've done a lot of thinking about it, probably too much thinking, and I even involved the smartest person I know, who is my wife, Trisha.:
0: I was just going to say yeah. who was that?:
1: but Behind every good man is, is a this, good woman. Yes. And you know, we talked a little bit about, can service to others ever be anything but self-serving? And so here's where I'm at with it. Uh, And uh, you can quote me on this, and I don't know if it will answer fully, but I feel pretty good about the answer. Number one, it doesn't really matter about your intentions. Even if you have bad intentions and you're serving people to be self-serving, in the end, the people are still served. Mm -hmm. And normally, people with bad intentions, they kind of get smoked out by their own bad deeds. So I think if you're doing it for bad intentions, eventually people will catch on. And in the interim, they're still being served, which Mm -hmm. is better than being in a vacuum of joy. (laughs) (laughs) Second, I think that, you know, and this will sound narcissistic, but I think I'm at a point where most of the time I'm actually able to serve with true unselfishness. Um, Not always. Again, people you know, it's hard to look past our own self, you know, Mm. satisfaction. But I do think that as I've grown and as I've aged and as I've realized that my legacy is really the people I serve, Mm. that it it has helped me to maybe 80% of the time be truly serving for the right intentions. And sometimes you reap benefits from it. Um, and that could look like you're being self serving right okay, and then here's the third thing too and my wife actually she did not know if this were true, and we haven't discussed this last part, but I do think it is possible to truly be purely motivated and serve others. there's this great verse in the Bible and it's in John fifteen thirteen and it says, basically, there's no greater love than this. That someone would lay down their life for their for their friends mm-hmm. so you hear those stories in mostly in war, but also in, sometimes in a in a criminal um, situation where somebody jumps in front of a bullet or dives on a grenade, and they know they're going to be killed mm. most most of the time they're going to die, and they still do it, so I think in those situations it is possible to be a hundred percent purely. Service. Service. Yeah. So I don't know if that helps, but it made me feel a little better at least.
0: Well, (laughs) it's good to think about.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And again, you know, the, the whole thing is if we're trying to do it with the purest of motives, most of the time the intentions create great end results for the people that we work with and we serve uh-huh. and that may be enough mm-hmm. so i hope that helps
0: yeah so um, do you go home and pat yourself on the back or no you
1: know no most times like it, you know i think for me i think more about the times that i couldn't serve mm. and, and i think there's a certain amount of guilt there um that you can't be all things to everybody yeah um so i don't know that it's a whole lot of patting myself on the back
0: well okay i Just a good question. Great question. And we thank you for your questions. By the way, if you have any other questions or comments, you can let us know on the website. At the bottom, there's a place to put in your... your... Heck,
1: I'll even give you my phone number. You can text me the question if you want.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm not sure if we want to do that. (laughs) Can you... uh, By the way, if you give me your phone number, can you send an order out, too? I mean, you know, I want want, uh, fries with that order. Uh, You you can
1: have fries with that order. (laughs)
0: Listen, a couple of shows ago, I I can't remember how many were, you know, sometimes these shows are kind of running together, Yeah, but it's good. Well, we learned that people aren't leaving jobs because of their job, they're really leaving the job
1: because of the manager. Right. Well, and you know what, Larry, too, U.S. workers are quitting at the fastest rate since the internet boom 17 years ago. Wow. And that's coming from the Wall Street Journal. And part of that is because of a strong economy, there's other jobs. And there's record low unemployment.
0: Well, right now.
1: Yeah, right now. Yeah. But but there's also other things that work here that cause people to quit so quickly.
0: Well, and micromanagement is one of those things. Yeah. And now, I have been been accused of being a micromanager. Could no, you believe that? Not not Larry. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would
1: say you were a demanding manager. I don't know if you were a micromanager.
0: Okay, but, well, I, I, there was a, I was sitting in an edit suite with an editor, uh, and she was probably a very good editor since she worked for one of those big abc companies yeah and uh she said quit micromanaging me
1: oh, okay mm-hmm. so maybe she's right <laughs> yeah so, so talk about micromanaging Larry. Yeah,
0: well there's some things that uh, can cause can damage be an effects on people if you're overmanaged. Okay. you know
1: yeah let's let, let's talk about some of well if
0: about like decreased productivity
1: yeah you know when a manager is constantly looking over the employee's shoulder can lead to a lot of second guessing and honestly some paranoia and ultimately it will lead to dependent employees which i can tell you they're the worst kind if an employee is constantly having to look to you for answers oh it takes up a lot of time
0: yeah well and how about reduced innovation
1: right so employees when they feel like their ideas are invalid or they live in constant fear of criticism eventually it's going to take a toll on their creativity they'll just even they'll stop trying yeah uh, lower morale okay employees uh they want to feel autonomy at least a certain sense of autonomy and if employees cannot make decisions at all without a manager's input at some point they're going to feel suffocated and empo- employees that are constantly made to feel that they can't do anything right. They may try harder for a while, but eventually what happens is they stop trying at all. And the effect of this will be evident in falling employee engagement levels, which we've talked about. The more engaged an employee is, the better it is for the company. Or higher turnover. That's, yes, absolutely. Yeah, high, higher turnover, here's the one we fear. Again, most people don't take well to being micromanaged and eventually they're going to leave. Which means it's a loss of trust, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, we talked about this before. Most team members, most employees, want to be able to trust their boss, and they want to feel safe. Um, and once that micromanagement, you know, eventually, what's going to happen is it leads to a massive breakdown of trust. And we we know there's a war on talent, mm-hmm. so you need <laughs> you really need to uh, keep the keep the brightest people with you. What does Steve Jobs have to say? So, you know, he's one of the smartest guys for sure. And he. this is a quote from him. It says, it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and then tell them what to do. We hire smart people so that they can tell us what to do.
0: You know, the amazing thing is the stuff that I've read about Steve Jobs, yeah. I kind of thought he was a micromanager.
1: Yeah, well, a micromanager. And even sometimes it seemed like he was a narcissist, but mm-hmm. but it doesn't. it can't be true if this was what his hiring... Uh, practices were because it takes a bit of ego. You have to push your ego down to be okay with not being the smartest guy in the room or gal in the room. But if you get to that point, that's where uh, it's amazing the amount of output and productivity that can happen. Um, you, I don't know that you really want to be the smartest person in the room. Mm. I think you want to be surrounded by people that are brighter than you, at least in certain aspects of whatever you do. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to be willing and able to say, run with this because you know a lot more than I do about it.
0: Well, sometimes the best ideas and advancements are the result of empowering, empowering the right people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I see this every day, Larry, at Chick-fil-A. I have these 16, 17, 18 year old kids, really. Mm -hmm. And then I've got 20 year olds and 21 and all that. And they, the reality is they serve customers all the time, every day. Mm-hmm. And so they know that that job better than I do. And so if I didn't listen to them for ways to make it more efficient, ways to streamline, ways to make it more uh, profitable or productive, or ways to just make their job easier um, or satisfy the customer, we would not be able to move ahead. Did you have a hard time doing that? Um, I think there's a transition, a, a progression that happens. um and at first, it feels weird. I think I started my career as a micromanager like, like most people do. Um, and that works when you're a very small operation. Um, it may not make your employees feel good, but for a while, you may be able to do it and still get by. Yeah, get by. Yeah. Um, as your business grows, if you can't make a transition from a micromanager to somebody who empowers their people, then it's going to kill you either physically the stress is going to you know cause a heart attack or it's going to uh cap out your growth wow you know especially because it's not just that uh, people quit the smartest people quit it, the smartest people will leave a micromanager mm. and you've got to have those smart people to get ahead So, yeah, it's a bad tactic.
0: Well, I want to thank everybody for joining with us today and um, talked about micromanaging. Rocky, you shared a story. Thank you very much, Debbie. Thank you for being with us. And we want to remind everybody that they can hear uh, Love Out of the Blue also here on Servers Radio Network. Yeah, it's
1: great. I would encourage you to listen to it.
0: So, again, thank you. Uh, Remember, please subscribe if you haven't yet to the podcast you're going to hear all of what rocky wants to share and some of the people that we've interviewed are fantastic and you'll be learning more and learning to lead by serving so subscribe and be a part of it also if you subscribe you get the uh server's, servers moments. moments right so tell a friend <laughs> call a friend tell a friend what is that uh, old dave letterman used to say right call yeah. a friend kick the dog whatever i don't know
1: yeah all right.
0: I'm I even
1: I don't know that reference.
0: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, Rocky, until next time, I'm your ever faithful companion.
1: You know, I like the term companion. Yes. But I you know, I maybe we can be like the do you remember the Wonder Twins? No. Okay, so that's another pop reference culture that's died. <laughs> okay. Kids, look up the Wonder Twins. Okay. Larry and I are the Wonder Twins. Wonder we're, Twins we're, we're cohorts.
0: I'm gonna have to look that one up because yeah. is that was that before or after it a, me?
1: It was a Justice League in the 1970s. It oh, my. It was a great cartoon. I got up early every Saturday for it. A- anyways, listen... <laughs> Let us hear from you. We want your comments, your questions. Heck, even send me some green paper. Wait, I don't know if I said that. What, green paper? Okay, I didn't say that. Just send us your comments and your questions.
0: That's a soupy sales joke there.
1: Okay, again, look up soupy sales. You
0: didn't get so, (laughs) okay.
1: Hey, we're all on a journey, and it's really about how you serve while you're in that role, and that's why every week we share a server's journey. I'm Rocky Destefano. I want to thank you for joining with us as together we learn to be better leaders.